Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for the tips, tricks, and tales of interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. So, it's a big day today. First off, Taryn is back. Woohoo! Yay! Yay! I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm excited too. All three of us have followed today's guest. Her name is... Margie of the blog and Instagram account, Thrift and Tell. I assume many of you follow her, but if you don't already, then you should because she is known as the woman behind the bargains. She is a consignment and thrifting expert. And normally she applies that thriftiness to designer bags and shoes and accessories. But we're also going to talk about applying some of those same consignment and thrifting techniques and some of her clever philosophies about getting a good deal and mixing high and low to your home. So big episode, a lot to cover, but welcome, Margie, to the show. Welcome, Margie. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. How much of your time do you spend on finding these great deals and thrifting around? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I do have a full-time job, I tend to wake up and I barely sleep. So I tend to wake up early. I listen to my little news podcast. I look for deals. I post deals before I start work. Then I start work, you know, maybe at lunch, if I have a free second, I'll post things. And then at nighttime, when I'm sitting watching Bravo or waiting in line or whatever it may be, I will post some more deals as well. So I don't know that I can tell you the exact amount of time, but I guess the beauty of it is that I love doing it. It feels like a pastime versus a job, if you will. It's like me and words with friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So how did you get started? Like, where did this come from? So my mom and my sister and I have always loved Deals. So in terms of thrift and tell, I truly woke up a couple years ago with the name in my head and thought, oh, I don't know, let's see if the Instagram handle is available. It was, so I made it and truly thought it would be like a secret account that I would tell basically nobody about and just post deals that I found. So initially I would just post my own personal finds and then it's kind of grown from there. So I guess maybe part of the beauty of it not being my full-time job is it can kind of morph and evolve and there's not a lot of pressure on it per se. But yeah, I I started it without a plan. I probably continue to run it without a plan, but it's really fun for me. So do you prefer online, like the real real? Do you like thrift stores and consignment stores? Yeah, I'm sort of equal opportunity. You know, I'll find a deal anywhere. (laughs) I would say as it relates to, I guess we're specifically talking about fashion, I think the pros of, of like a real real, for example, is that you obviously have much more access than you would if you went into a local consignment store. The pro of going to a local consignment store is that you can see it and feel it. And the two sites that I normally shop on are the real real and fashion file. And they, I think are pretty honest. It really does vary a bit, but I would say that if you want to get the best deals, you kind of have to look everywhere. Say you found something that you like, but you still feel like it's either too expensive or poorly priced. Should we haggle? How much should you haggle? What is appropriate? Right. Good question. So it <laughs> kind of depends where you are. So on sites like the Real Real, a fair amount of consignment shops, the price is the price. Some consignment shops will have, you know, a price 
today, a price 30 days from now, 60 days from now, 90 days from now. So that way, you know, you can see based off the date what the price is, right? So it's reduced on a cadence. So those, if it's been there, you know, there's been times I've been there and there's something that the last reduction was a year ago. And I'll say, is that your best price? Flea markets and that kind of open markets, they're really priced truly because they're assuming you're going to haggle with them. There's other sites that I sell on, but not necessarily shop on as much like Poshmark or TradeZ or Mercari. There, I mean, on Poshmark specifically, people just assume you're going to give things for free. You know, you'll post something for $40 and they're like, can you take five? So I think it depends on kind of the culture of the site or the shop itself. If you're not sure, to be honest, just ask. Yeah. Yeah. When you're shopping, are you looking for something specific or are you just looking for something fabulous that's a good price? Probably the latter. I will have some things that are on my wish list. So I have like a running list of things that I've always wanted. I will save some of those searches. Like what? Oh, God. Way too much. <laughs> but I could go on for a long time. But I <laughs> think that for as it relates to Thrift and Tell, I have essentially some searches that I know of like brands that I like that I think other people would like. So sometimes people reach out to me and say, can you promote my brand? Or I just listed this on Poshmark. Will you post it on your site? And I tend to politely decline only in the sense that I think people follow me because they would like to see what I'm interested in versus like a paid ad or someone's bag from their own listing. It would start to feel just like you're on Poshmark if I posted everybody's. Yeah. You're curating. So when it comes to your wardrobe as a whole, what in your mind are the best places to invest your dollars and where should you maybe look for a deal? Sometimes the investment is also a deal, but like, where do you really feel like you should be thrifting and like going with more a high-end label? Yeah. So I love accessories. And I think that you can, if you have good accessories, you wear them your whole life. Like I am wearing a bracelet that my mom got, a gold bracelet my mom got in Greece in the 70s. So I tend to personally, like the shirts from H&M. So I probably buy fairly classic silhouettes, but I really sort of beef up any outfit with accessories. So really good jewelry. Ideally, if you can, you know, buy gold. Costume jewelry, that's a couple hundred dollars is I would avoid because you could just as well get something thrifted that's 14 karat gold that you'll have forever. If it was like a $10 fun costume piece, go for it. But so I would say in general, I tend to buy almost exclusively consignment accessories, but they're really nice, good quality. So I'll have them forever. And then you can easily swap out more seasonal things that are less expensive. So, you know, gap jeans with a really pretty blouse. One thing I liked that you said on your blog was the importance of patience. And I feel like that's such a good reminder to anyone, whether you're buying for your wardrobe or your home, patience is key. So how do you practice that? And why is it so important to you? Yeah, I think, you know, whether you're doing your home or whether you're shopping for yourself, I think it's kind of easy to quickly buy something or decorate your room and have it be done. What I generally try to do personally is really stick with things that I love that are in whatever the best quality that I can afford. From a clothing perspective, not going into J. Crew and, you know, sometimes I see people checking out and they've got like piles and piles of clothes. And you, there's no way you could truly love every single thing that's there, right? So maybe rather than going and buying a huge pile of, you know, $1,000 of J. Crew, save up for one really beautiful scarf that you've always wanted that was originally $600 so you got for $300. And I, I think the more that you avoid the impulse and buy what you really love and you see how different that experience feels, 
I think it makes it easier to have a little bit more patience. So from a home perspective, I think that's true from art. It's true for furniture. If you can just wait a little bit longer, find what you really, really love, you won't grow tired of it and you'll keep it around forever. I feel like it's a lot harder in today's world to know what you really and truly love because you're always seeing stuff on Instagram, other people's outfits. And so I feel like it's sometimes difficult to like tune out some of those things to where you see stuff so often you're like, oh, I really love that. But do you really love it? Or is it a trend that you just have seen other people use and you like a lot? I think Instagram kills everything. And I love Instagram, don't get me wrong, but it's like something that was cute then becomes every person is wearing it or every home has it. So I was joking with a friend of mine that if Target is making a copy of it, it's probably a trend. And that's why I think the beauty of buying consignment and and antiques is that nobody else is going to have it. So I know when I like something and I know when I love something and trying to as much as possible to avoid something that's all over Instagram, because I think you'll tend to get sick of it down the road. I feel like home decor is the same thing. It's like there was an ECOT we had in our house growing up when like in the 80s that was like a very pale blue and like baby pink. And so I will say when like, you know, a few years ago when it became like a trend again, I was like, oh, God. Totally. Yeah. I mean, like growing up, my whole room is like all Laura Ashley. And now, I mean, I do love a floral. They're all back. I grew up in a tiny little room and I had Laura Ashley wallpaper and I refused to let my mom take it down. So like when I was in middle school, my mom was like, isn't it time to maybe get rid of the kitty wallpaper? No, 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 no. Keep it, keep it, keep it. So anyway, it's still up in my parents' house. And I told my mom, hey, mom, this is cool again. So I have to ask you, because I see this on Instagram and you all are the the experts here. What are the thoughts on the chop pillow versus the flat pillow? I chop it aggressively. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't have strong feelings on the pillow. Let me start with that. I was chopping, but then I thought, now I feel chuggy for doing that. So I think I prefer a a, a general puff, some volume to the pillow. But some people were saying tilt it backwards. And that just seemed odd to me. So, you know, I say that now and three months from now, I might be doing that. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. You know what I started doing on one of my beds, which I really like is laying my pillows flat instead of standing them up. Yeah. I like that. It's for uh, my guest room and the shams that I happen to have just weren't looking great. They kind of flopped over at the top and it just didn't look pretty. Like I'm gonna try the stack thing and it looks really good. Do you put the shams on the bottom or the sham pillow on the top? I put the sham on the top. So the the sleeping pillows on the bottom. And then I have a throw pillow, like a little throw pillow, kind of a lumbar size that sits up in front. In my boredom of COVID, I was craving just anything different. So I'd drink out of different teacups. I was looking for anything. And I started doing that because like, it feels like I have a new bed. I have a new bedding. <laughs> and then I switch it back, you know. The world's my oyster. So, <laughs> I have a question, which because you are an accessory person, I would love to know the answer for this because I think we all deal with this. How do you display your accessories so you know what you have and in a very clean and beautiful manner? Great question. Okay, so my answer is not that exciting in that I don't have... (laughs) You throw them in a trash bag and rummage. (laughs) Well, I'm not kidding. My jewelry, I don't really have like on display, if you will. So I tend to just have a jewelry box. I put my jewelry in it. And then my shoes, it's very unexciting, if that's a word. One of the things that I put my shoes on is a, oh gosh, a shoe rack that I found on the side of the road. It was clean, so don't worry. And then another is just a Target like over the door. It's nothing 
exciting or cool. So I think people tend to think I'm doing something extraordinary and I truly am not. So I do not have like a real half size closet to display everything. You don't keep the boxes I read, free shoe boxes. No, I tend to sell those. You sell them. We can sell our shoe boxes? Yes. So people buy, a lot of people will buy used things on like Poshmark. But so people, a lot of people will buy shoes on, you know, in a consignment shop or on eBay and they don't come with boxes. And so I have people all the time being like, well, this fits this shoe. And I think people also use them for display. So in their closet, you know, again, going back to the Real Housewives, you'll see like an Hermes box and whatever. It's not really my personal style, but I think people buy them truly to just bling out their closet. What do you sell a cardboard box for, Margie? I need to know this. So normally not not a ton, 20 to $30, but I have sold a box. I think for 80 or $90 before. Why? I do not understand. I mean, I guess no judgment, but I, yeah. I'm... Well, I think if you are someone who's very particular and you have your beautiful closet and you have all your shoes in a box, if you had one pair that wasn't in a box, you would feel no yes, longer that put together. Drive you. That's true. Yeah. Yes, I that guess. is true. I did used to store my shoes in boxes and I had photos of each pair on the front of the box. That's insanity to me now. Like, what was I doing? How, Karen? I don't know. This is even when I had little kids. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, I feel like when you have different boxes of different sizes and shapes and colors, it's hard to keep them orderly looking. You know what I mean? Like, if it was all a standard size, but then like some are boot boxes and some are high heeled boxes and some are flats and they're all different sizes and they're different lengths. And it's like, it's a conundrum. Yeah. See, I, I need to see it all. The, the dilemma preface. Yeah, I need to see everything. I just don't have a good enough memory. So if I don't see it, I don't use it. And then there's no point in me having it. Because I was like, I even have like the little clear glass jewelry boxes with like bracelets in it. So I can see them. So I can quickly like, okay, do I or earrings? Do I have this color for this outfit? But I used to use this dress form I got in college. And like with my necklaces. And it was like, you know, part of my bachelor life it was cute and now I'm in my mid-30s and it's not and so I need a new way to do it you know where I can see everything and also not have a housewife's closet so if anyone has any good ideas I have a solution that's I don't think it's particularly gorgeous but it works I'll tell it to you Taryn so I have it's like a metal grid and I purchased one that exactly fits in you know a space in my closet that's between the door and my shoe rack or something. And then metal, this is key, metal S-hooks. Because if you get plastic and your jewelry's heavy, it's going to fall off. It's going to break, and then your stuff's going to be on the ground. So then you can use the little hooks and arrange all of your necklaces, bracelets. And then I also hang a few of my little cross, smaller cross bags up there, cross body bags. Works really well. Okay, I want to know what your favorite thing you've ever thrifted was, like hands down. That's a very good question. So there's kind of like thrift stores, consignment stores, antique stores, and then there's true Goodwill Salvation Army. And that's also my favorite thing in the world to do. So I went to a Goodwill and I found these very cool, they look like almost dessert plates that are pink and gold and look kind of 60s. And probably other people would think they were hideous, but they're so me. And I remember they were a dollar each. And I called my sister and I said, should I buy these? And she was like, absolutely. They're $1 each. 
So bought them, absolutely love them. And what's hilarious about it is I've tried to buy more since or figure out who made them. Cannot figure it out. I've posted to my Instagram. No one can figure out. I've had people, some people think it's Bavarian. I've had people contacting relatives in Germany to see. No one can, it's the mystery of all mysteries. I mean, that's, there's probably more favorite tricks, but I, I think that's a good example of buying something that's unique that nobody else has. The beauty of it is you don't get tired of it because you don't see it on Instagram or all yeah. over the internet. And, and when you have people over, they say, oh, these are so cool. And you can say, oh, they were a dollar from the thrift store. Do you tell everyone that you got it for a deal? I cannot stop myself. I'm like, oh, this is 99 cents. <laughs> I got it for a dollar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why? Why can't we not take compliments and right, just, just say like, thank, thank you? you? No, it is. I'm bragging. I'm accepting the compliment and then bragging in return. So when you say, oh, I love those plates, I'm like, oh, they're a dollar. My mom said to me recently, you don't need to tell everybody that. And I was like, no, I do. Because I love it. I'm proud of the fact that it was so cheap. Do you feel like there's a difference between thrifting for fashion and thrifting for home in the sense of like what you might be looking for? So what's hilarious is that I'm a huge germaphobe, yet I love thrifting, which doesn't always add up for people. So I would say for home, like when I go into a Goodwill, I'm looking for China, I'm looking for cool art, I'm looking for silver, there's so much silver plate stuff that you can get for a dollar that you could easily polish up. You just have to have like the imagination of what it would look like with some polish. I would say I tend to look for things that are easily cleaned. And there's a lot of people, especially young people who are just starting out and limited budget to decorate their home. And I think it can feel, especially if you look on Instagram, some people you might follow, they're tagging thousands of dollar chairs. And and I think it's easy to feel like, oh, well, none of this applies to me and I'll just go to Target and get whatever I can get. And not to say you can't find some good things at Target, but I think if you truly go to a thrift store or an estate sale, my friend Jess has a new company where she literally is just it's called Thrills of the Hunt. And she goes around all these estate sales and finds really cool stuff for nothing. And it tends to be nice quality and it tends to be unique. And so I think, you know, whether it's an estate sale, whether it's a yard sale, whether it's an auction, whether it's a true Salvation Army, if you're patient and you don't give up on the first try, you can find some really, really cool things that are unique, that are good quality, that truly might be a dollar, five dollars. I mean, no more than 20. I totally get the the plate and the silver and the art. I love art from the thrift store and the consignment store or antique store. So smart. I love to look for wood pieces. I feel like the quality of wood is amazing. Like wood furniture, you mean? Yeah, wood furniture. Oh, okay. Yeah, I totally agree. I often think to myself, like, kind of like buy once, cry once. Like, save money wherever you can. But if you're going to buy something that you don't really love or you're going to get it in a lesser fabric or kind of cheap out on something, if you're going to have to replace it in two years, you're actually going to spend more money when you finally buy the thing you actually wanted. So I think it's a balance, but I don't think you regret buying something that's actually good quality that you're going to have for years and years. Absolutely. Is there anything that you have paid full price for? There's nothing that you were just like, I want this so bad. A mattress. I'm not getting that secondhand. (laughs) That is going to be brand spanking new. I would say I would pay full price when, let's say there's a bracelet, let's say that's $500 that I love. And I've been looking forever. And I often tell people to go in, if you're going to do secondhand online, go into the store first, figure out what you love so that when you see it secondhand, you're like, okay, great. I'm an extra small. This is what, you know, I'm ready to go. You're ready to purchase. But let's say something's $500. And I've been looking online. I went to the store. I figured out exactly what size I am. And I can't find 
the right color or it's the wrong size. And I've been looking for months and months and months, and maybe you're seeing them, there's $100 less. In that case, I would just pay full price because if you're going to splurge, don't stop at like the last mile and get something that you're not totally in love with. So I would say beyond a mattress, if the resale value is close to retail and you can't find the exact right, just pay the full price and move on and don't worry about it. What about if it's like one of a kind? There have been times where I've seen something that, I mean, even in a consignment store that's like not yet reduced that I'm like, I cannot risk anyone buying this. I must buy it right now. I can't wait for it to be reduced. I got to buy it. So I would say if it's one of a kind, if you risk losing it, I have on my website a series of questions that you could ask yourself to avoid an impulse purchase. And one of them is like, do I have time to think about this? If I don't buy it now, could I get it somewhere else? You know, could I get it again? And with one of a kind things? No. If you're traveling or, you know, you're somewhere and it's a one of a kind, you kind of snooze, you lose. So I would pay full price for that. Yeah. I feel like people need to dig into your guides because they are so well done and just so smart and and apply to many different things, not just your clothing. While I love shopping consignment, I do a lot of resources on how to sell consignment. So I personally don't have the space in my house to, take a bunch of people's stuff and sell it for them. But I put together a lot of guides on how to sell on Tradesy, how to sell on Fashion File. I love that when I hear from people who say, you know, I followed your guide to the T and I've made $3,000 or whatever it may be. So I think to your point, Caroline, about kind of like where to invest, I think when you start getting rid of the stuff you don't love, that'll give you money to buy the thing you really do love. And I think it's kind of a cyclical thing that over time, you don't really want the junky stuff anymore. And so you have less junk in your house and just things that you truly love that will, you know, travel with you as you, if you move, et cetera. Yeah. Great point. Should we do a decorating dilemma? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's do Karen, it. Karen, we've missed you in the dilemma. Aww. Okay. So this is from Pamela and she says, hello, I've met my match with the interior design plan of one room in our recent new build home, the downstairs family room. It's just, ugh, I'm so over it. Seriously. First, the size of the room is not being cooperative at 25 feet by 19 feet. For some reason, we did not put any electrical outlets in the floor, which was not smart. Assuming the sofa would go against the wall and in lamps would be plugged into the wall. Nope. The room is too wide, I feel, to provide proper space viewing between TV and seating. So we've moved the sofa and chairs closer to the TV, but now we have this huge empty dead wall and gap space. Second, moving the sofa closer to the TV, now we have no way to plug table lamps in, so lighting is off. No adding floor outlets is not an option as they are on a cement slab. I have limiting furnishings picked out thus far, so I really need a plan to proceed. Third, I have already commissioned the draperies and they are in the process, but a sample pick attached. I purchased the sofa and I'm having two English rolled arm armchairs and a 40-inch upholstered square ottoman reupholstered as we speak. I also have an entertainment cabinet that we purchased to house the TV and do not want the TV mounted onto the wall. All other furnishings are open to recommendations. I need rugs and tables, lamps, art, stool shelves, but I have no clear vision. I am just not wanting to go further. All the other stuff in the room is from a previous home and need not be considered permanent. I feel that the room's size is begging for a multi-purpose area besides a wet bar and entertainment viewing space, but I don't know if a game table and chairs would work or perhaps an at-home office space. I just can't get a vision. I do feel it is begging for an 
a gallery wall of art because I have rather large statement pieces on the walls upstairs, and I feel adding more big pieces downstairs might look too repetitive and too formal for a family room. I do hope you'll be able to offer recommendations on how to proceed to maximize the space to its fullest. As you can see, it has a lovely view to the lake and leads to the outdoor kitchen area and an alfresco dining space, so we don't need a breakfast nook or other dining options. The area is primarily for company and for television slash movie nights. Please, I beg you, provide your most insightful advice ASAP so I can put this headache to bed. I'm grateful for any direction you can put me on towards a satisfactory completion. Gratefully, Pamela. All right, so I'm going to describe it. And then I have to say something to Pamela about her lamps. Okay, so you walk down some stairs into this basement room, and it's a big, you know, kind of bonus room. It's it's large. I'd say it's like 12, 14 by 18 or something, right? It's pretty big because it looks like she's got a good nine by 12 rug in the middle of it that her sofa is sitting on. And there's still plenty of space around that rug in the room. So she's got the sofa facing, is sort of sitting right in the middle of the room, facing the long wall where she's got a TV sitting on a media console. She has put a table behind that sofa, also floating in the middle of the room, which she's worried she can't get lamps on because she doesn't have any outlets. And then right out to your left when you walk down the stairs is a wet bar that she's talking about. And then opposite that on the short wall are these beautiful floor to ceiling kind of door windows that open out onto her lake. All right, Pamela, I feel like you did not hear our two episodes where we talked about running your lamp wires under your rug, cut a tiny, tiny little hole in your rug. Two very high-end designers suggested this to us separately. So go to the back of your rug and use a little razor and cut a little slit and shove your cord through there and then run it all the way under your rug. Extension cords. Yeah. And plug it in on the wall. Don't let this trip you up. All right. So now that's all I got. Well, I do feel like she she's going to need to get a very, like, as large rug as possible to get that cord over to the wall. You know what I mean? Like, Well, she can run it over to the TV wall. Oh, there is space between the TV. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said she needs a new rug. So at some point, when she's ready to purchase the rug, get it much bigger than what you currently have is my only point. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, you're going to have it. You're going to see the extension cord when it comes out from under the rug. Or you could with the size she currently you has. You could tuck the rug under the media console, and you know the rug could move forward. So she moves the rug forward. Like you want to orient this. Sorry, Margie, we're not even letting you talk. You want to orient this, the television and coffee table, sofa table and sofa, close enough together. So it, even though it's a very big room, so it feels like a little intimate TV watching space you know, and the chairs that you're going to stick in there too. So the rug doesn't have to fill up your whole room. It could just anchor that area. And then you walk behind it to exit. I don't know why she wants to put a home office in there if it's just for guests. I don't get it. I was going to say she needs to focus on how she's using the space. And I don't know if, yeah, again, I'll let you talk, but don't put a home office just because you think the room's so big. Well, I guess my thought in general, and I don't know what you ladies feel, I feel in general, nobody wants to be in the basement. So anytime you try to have a party, everyone's in the kitchen. And and this is not the advice she's looking for, but I think it's either decide what it's going to be one or the other, either it's going to, you're going to, I candidly think probably she needs to start from scratch from the sofa and the rug. So either you're going to make it, I would put in almost like maybe built in so you can make the room a little bit smaller and get a much bigger rug. Like you said, get a much bigger couch or just have it be a true basement. Again, not the advice Pamela was looking for, but it is kind of a funny 
orientation. So I would say if truly she does envision truly actually using it, I would invest in a much bigger scale of a rug that's much better, or excuse me, a rug and a sofa. And possibly like if she did a built-in, could she then put some lighting over there and maybe she wouldn't need as much lighting? I'm not sure, but. I like the idea of a game table down there. If, if this is sort of your off the lake recreational area, the wet bar, if it's a rainy day and you want to do a puzzle or I don't know, play some gin. I don't, I don't know what do people play at card tables, but I think, you know, there's plenty of room to tuck one of those in the corner or put a pretty little banquette down there by your door to the outside and float a little table in front of that with some sweet chairs, just create a few zones in the space so that you've got your TV zone. You've got your kind of nook for reading a book or something. You've got your game area, little places people can go, especially if it's guests and if they're going to be any kids, you can plop the kids down in front of the Disney channel and you still have your corner for your coffee or your wine. You know, creating little nooks I always like in a bigger room like this. It needs multiple something. I get what she's saying about she has the bar, so she's like, I don't need any other dining spaces. But the bar is faced away from the beautiful view, so maybe she does have like a little, to your point, like banquet or a very small table over by those French doors. That it's where you sort of perch when you're like, you know. When you sit and have your breakfast or something, a little cafe table and chairs or something right. like that. Right. And mm-hmm. I actually feel like the layout is not as awkward as she thinks. I mean, she says she's got these sort of roll arm chairs that she's got going on. And she has a big, 40 inches is a big ottoman. That is a big old ottoman. So I feel like that is going to kind of fill a lot more space probably than she anticipates. I mean, I like the, I like your, I love your idea, Margie, about the built-in bookcases. But then again, like, do you have books that you need to fill bookcases with? Like, don't just build the bookcase to build a bookcase. But I do feel like she's going to need something in between the back of the sofa and the big blank wall behind the sofa. So maybe that's like a Parsons console with very light, easy to pick up cubes underneath that she can like pull over to a banquet or a small table or the seating area or like kick your feet up. I don't know. Or maybe she needs like storage cubes to put towels or whatever. Right for the leg. Or maybe she needs a place for games, you know, to go underneath there or something. If you're thinking about your guests and like Taryn keeps reminding us, you know, how you live in this space. What are you going to need? What, you know, if you're envisioning the perfect getaway for your guests, what's there for them? Are there throws? Are there toys? Are there games? Are there, like you said, towels for the lake? What do they need? And then find pretty places to put that. Maybe it's kind of going back to this idea of patience. I mean, she said this is a new built home. So I'm assuming she's either just moved in or only been there a short time. So maybe she just needs to kind of live in the space for a while and and she'll get a feel for what this room is lacking. Is it lacking storage? Is it lacking seating? Like, how you know, get used to living in it for a little while and maybe that'll sort of help give you some guidance in terms of how to fix it. You know what I mean? And then you can make your list and look for things slowly, like Margie was saying. Yeah, but I feel like she has a good start. I mean, it, the sofa is like a great classic roll arm. I mean, you kind of can't go wrong there. And a gallery wall is fun. I love a gallery wall, especially like she's saying, she's got a very large statement pieces upstairs and it does feel a little less formal, a gallery wall. And you know, you could incorporate family photos if you wanted, even though I preach against it, but people like them. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I always feel like in a place like this, like in your basement, like mix all the frames, have different sizes, have some postcards that you got on a trip or that your kids sent you mixed with something nice that you bought at an art gallery mixed with, you know, a family photo, like have some diversity in your stuff. And it might be a fun thing for people if they're over visiting you and they're like popping in from the water to go to the bathroom. They can like look at all your cool stuff. I always do that in your, when I go to your pool, Karen, I'm always checking in out your gallery wall you know, yeah, well, you know, it's fun because a gallery wall, I think, is an opportunity to be a collection of memories. And even if you don't have all the memories right away, right? So I have two in my basement. And one, I started out literally with stuff from Ikea. You know, you can buy packs of prints or whatever. And I just kind of like the colors and I didn't have the stuff in them yet. But then as I've traveled over the past several years, I replace those with something, you know, little paintings I buy or little prints from travels. And so little by little, all the things in those frames get replaced by something a little more sentimental. So you don't have to start out with a wall of sentiment or, you know, all the right, perfect stuff. You can kind of fill it and block it out and then change it out as you go. Or if you, you know, get in a fight with your kid, you can take his picture down and put the other kid up. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. I feel like the patience thing. That's what I would do if it were me. Just it'll reveal itself to you. Yeah, and think about how you want to use it. That's like yeah, that's what I mean. The function will reveal itself to you. Yeah. I feel like everyone has certainly, especially in this time, everyone is wishing they had an extra room. So the fact that you have a room that you don't know what to do with, like what a that's awesome. Lucky thing. Yeah, right. To rent it out. Like have us over. (laughs) (laughs) Make it not Airbnb. She's like, this is not what I was asking. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, okay. And and I guess to answer her question, she asked about like how to finish off all those pieces. I feel like once she has her idea of like a furniture plan, pick like a rug or a painting or a fabric and just use that first one thing, something that you fall in love with and just let that guide all your choices. I feel like a rug is an easy way to do that. It'll have some blue or some green or whatever. And then just let that guide you. Yeah, I think that rug might be tripping her up because it doesn't look exactly, I'm not sure that it matches the design of the home, potentially. And so I sometimes think if you have the wrong piece, it can almost give you like writer's block where you can't see what it could be. And then when, if she were to move that to a different room, get a rug she loves, then I think her feeling a little bit stuck might, might decide. Great idea. Yeah, for sure. All right, Margie, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your, all your good stuff? My website is Thrift and Tell. So it's A-N-D, thriftandtell.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Thrift and Tell. So every day on Instagram and on my website, I post new deals throughout the day. So if that's of interest to you, you can certainly follow. All right, that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast.ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating!